Welcome to Critical Value, the podcast from the Urban Institute that explores issues of significance for research, policy, and people. I'm Jacinth Jones, stepping in as your Critical Value podcast host this week. It's been a long 17 months since the COVID pandemic first impacted us in March 2020, and our world changed overnight. As we continue to fight through this pandemic, we wanted to know, what have urban staffers been leaning on for escape, entertainment, and insight during this time? What books, podcasts, and TV have helped them make it through so far? Ebony Megabo is in Urban's Metropolitan Housing and Communities Policy Center. Her research focuses on housing, inequality, and a little bit of women's reproductive health. She said a TV show has provided a lens for thinking about the sadness and grief we've experienced during the pandemic. I really, really liked WandaVision on Disney Plus. It was an excellent series. I think there were only like maybe 10 episodes and it flows very well with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's also a really great show. Each episode covers like a different decade. So it starts in the 50s and ends in like the 2000s. I found it to be kind of like refreshing as a concept for a TV show. And it also covered some interesting themes of grief and loss and even more broadly, like what makes up reality. So looking into like what is real and what is not real and how do we perceive our experiences? Definitely some thought-provoking questions. I think it was really timely concepts of grief and loss, uh, given that there's been so much grief and loss during this pandemic, is a line that Vivian says, what is grief if not love persevering? And that idea that grief is like the final act of love and that loss, while it is a permanent feeling, it's just kind of like on the spectrum of like loving someone. I've always been alone, so I don't feel the lack. It's all I've ever known. I've never experienced loss because I've never had a loved one to lose. But what is grief, if not love persevering? One of my family members passed away, not due to COVID, but um, he was older and had some health issues. And I reflected a lot on like that concept of how losing someone is like the final act of loving them and kind of trying to build in like the new reality of like not having them in your life while also continuing to live, move forward. So I think WandaVision shows kind of like the flip side of that, like how grief can be really all-consuming. But then towards the end of the series, she kind of has to come to terms with her grief and decide like what the next steps are. Ayodele Ojo is a rising junior at the University of Michigan studying public policy and business. This summer, she joined us as Urban's financial analyst intern. A lot of her work dealt with measuring the financial health of research centers. She's been diving into some favorite fiction along with a little bit of self-improvement. I love reading. Um, so when you said to like mention some of my favorite books, I immediately thought of like my top four, which is The Death of Vivek Oji, The Vanishing Half, The Kite Runner, and then Atomic Habits. And so the first three are 
fiction books, but then the last one is more of like a self-help, how to implement sustainable, easy habits into your life and like become a better person. But I just really have enjoyed those four this past year um, and have read them all at least once, sometimes even two or three times, um, depending on how bored I am. Iodele said fiction helps her understand the world differently and kept her looking on the positive side during some pretty bleak months. I definitely think that they've made me more empathetic and just like allowed me to think more about different backgrounds and cultures and how a person's history may have like impacted them and their decision making now. But then it also has helped me just see more good in life and not just focus on the bad because there's a lot going on in society right now. But through reading these books, I don't know, I've just been able to find the small joys in life every day. And some of the small joys include her friendships with others. It's not something I really like thought could fulfill me and make me as happy as they've made me for these past 17 months. But just having like a deeper relationship with all my friends and getting to know them on a deeper level has really been inspiring. Up next is Libby Doyle in the Justice Policy Center. Her research currently focuses on diversion and re-entry programming. Libby has delved into fiction that transported her far away to another time and place, but also highlighted current themes about lockdown and confinement. The book that I chose and that I think really helped me kind of see the world in a different light was A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls. It tells the story of an aristocrat in Russia who is sentenced to spend the rest of his life in house arrest in a hotel. So kind of drawing some parallels to our situation in the pandemic. And he's sentenced to spend the rest of his life in the hotel following the Russian Revolution and um, for having been an aristocrat. So it was really interesting because he's stuck within this hotel and he has this like microcosm life and environment and community there. But outside there's you know, a lot of um, political people in, in Russia during that time. And so I think that was a really interesting perspective. And it almost was like a, a light perspective, like looking at his life versus like what was happening in the outside world. So even though I think the setting was a little dark, the actual story itself, I found really enjoyable. And there's a lot of like little tidbits about his life in the hotel and all the different characters and, and community members that he meets. What it really helped me think about and think about the world in a different way was kind of this, the importance of creating community regardless of your situation. He builds really strong relationships over decades with like the chefs in the kitchen and with the doorman and with the seamstress in the hotel. And just seeing how those progress throughout the book, I think is kind of the most powerful part of it. I read the book in February of 2020, so, or 2021. Um, so really at the, the height of lockdown, Libby said the book made her think about the importance of reaching out to her own community during the pandemic. Being really intentional to maintain those lines of communication and to really put in the effort that it takes to maintain those lines of communication and relationships was really important for me. And just setting aside the time outside of my normal daily activity since it wasn't built into my day-to-day during the pandemic. When we couldn't see friends as easily, Podcasts provided some great company and a welcome escape from tough news. Nick Laughlin in Urban's Events Department recommended one that is entertaining and informative. One of my favorite podcasts and one that I have kind of reintroduced myself to the past year and a half has been Lost Culture says with Matt Rogers of Bone Yang. It's a pop culture comedy podcast. 
where they have a guest come on every week and just talk about culture and things going on. You know, it's not only a nice way to kind of have an hour and a half out of your week that, you know, kind of just escapes from everything, but you get to learn a lot about what's going on in pop culture, maybe things that you missed and kind of get like a different perspective on it, which I think is so important. Nick says the podcast asks guests to reflect on the most important cultural touchstone for them and how it's impacted the way they look at the world. And I think that's why I like it is because every week they ask their guest, what is the formative piece of culture to them? Like, what is the one thing that they saw growing up that really sparked something in them? And so every week you kind of get to do this deep dive. And whether it's something you've heard of or something you haven't, you get to you know, understand these guests a lot better. Some of them, again, that you've heard of and you haven't, and really understand why this piece of culture was so important to them and how it shaped their worldview. Next, we have Grace Lutmer, an urban center on education, data, and policy. Most of her research is in early childhood education. Grace also tuned into a podcast that changed her view on an issue and kept her thinking about health more broadly. I could give you a podcast that I've started listening to kind of more recently that I actually do think has really changed my perspective on myself and like my history that has nothing to do with the pandemic, which has been great. It's called Maintenance Phase. So it's two friends, Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs. And the premise is essentially just questioning what is health and what were we taught that health is. And so each episode they go through some like trend or some way that we've been taught to think about health and they go either debunk theories or just the way that we were taught about it in a really smart way. They do a lot of background research and present it so that you can kind of come up with your own conclusions. But it's been really interesting because I think of myself as a healthy person. I care about that kind of stuff, but it made me question, why do I think I'm healthy? <laughs> they talk a lot about anti-fat bias. So sometimes if I think I'm like in a healthy phase of my life, I think back and is it just because I think I'm looking good? <laughs> and probably, which is really messed up because you can think you're looking good, but also have really unhealthy practices or not be mentally in a good, in a good space. And they just do some really interesting looks back at like the history of health in the United States. So they just did one on BMI recently and how overnight millions of people became obese because they changed the definition. And then just the idea of using BMI as an indicator for health anyway, when there's so many other proxies that you could use that are just as good, but aren't based on what they're kind of calling junk science. And then they get into like funny things like talking about Halo Top and these kind of not so serious topics like debunking celery juice. <laughs> so it's not all super heavy, but there's a good mix of things. And they're really funny. Grace says because of the podcast, her relationship with health has changed for the better. It's not so much that my habits have changed. It's more just like appreciating that I work out because I like the way that it feels and not because what's expected of me or to look a certain way. I think it's kind of confirmed something that's been in the back of my mind for a really long time. So I think a lot of it is just bringing back these memories of kind of growing up and being told you're supposed to look a certain way or, or act a certain way and just hearing like these two very smart people kind of confirm that it, it is taught to you and it's not correct has <laughs> been really liberating. During and prior to the pandemic, Daquan Lawrence and Urban's Health Policy Center 
has been reading and thinking about the lightning fast and unprecedented ways our world is changing due to technology and widening inequality. As a Howard University PhD student, his research straddles the fence of issues that intersect historically Black colleges and urban. The first recommendation I have is um, actually by Klaus Schwab. He's the founder of the Global Economic Forum. He wrote a book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. I think that is really applicable to everything happening right now. I don't want to give away too many things, but um, if you just check the appendices of that book, you will see a lot of things that are relevant to things that are happening now in terms of um, one, global inequality, two, the pandemic, um, technology, how technology is being used, how it will be used from blockchain and the government to transplantable technologies. If you haven't heard of the Internet of Things, one thing that's on the horizon now is the Internet of Humans. I would highly recommend it because I think it's kind of like a, a combination or maybe a catharsis of things that you would see in Black Mirror and things that have been happening um, in real life um, since prior to the pandemic and definitely since the pandemic. Daquan says reading has helped him how to imagine the world going forward. By no means that I think that I understood everything or maybe even anything that was happening um, in the world. And this is prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. But since reading it, I think to me, it's helped me connect the dots, so to speak. You know, things like automation were already happening, you know, in, on a global scale. So reading the fourth industrial revolution again, to me, is kind of a, a bridge, if you will, that kind of allows us to understand where we've been and also understand where we're going. I think I would be remiss if I didn't focus on, I guess, the historical industrial revolutions. For those of us who don't know, this is pretty much how we have got here from, you know, the advents of cars, the use of different uh, resources and prior industrial revolutions. They always change the globe and industrial revolutions particularly have one changed Europe, allowed us, them to develop Western society and to change America. So now being in the fourth industrial revolution, which can be summarized as a digital information age fast forwarding of the world, if you will, where anything, uh, you know, brick and mortars or us going into work, you know, things like that don't necessarily have to happen the way that they used to. We will start to see a lot more robots. We're pretty familiar with Alexa, but iPhone, laptop, smart TV, all of these things are robots, um, but they're going to continue to get more sophisticated and the implications for society are widespread. Gabby Velasco is in Urban's Research to Action Lab. Their research focuses on environmental and housing justice. They have used this time to read and reflect back on the AIDS epidemic and the social movements and organizing around AIDS activism. This summer, the main book I've been working through is called Let the Record Show, A Political History of ACT UP New York, 1987 to 1993 by Sarah Shulman. And I say working through because it's a really massive book. It's like 700 pages of and like political history. Reading a book about AIDS activism and social movement organizing isn't quite like an escape from the current moment, but it really, for me, has grounded and contextualized current movements like health justice in the face of COVID, economic justice, and racial justice movements. And been a really important kind of foundation for how crises reveal the fissures in society and things like HIV and COVID both will always impact people who have been historically and presently oppressed more severely 
what is really also compelling about the book is that she gets really deep into the specific actions and lives of ACT UP members and affinity groups and lets readers get to know through the members' own voices uh, the everyday people who were involved in the work. And she also doesn't force kind of a timeline of consensus and lets all of the individual narrators have their accounts side by side. And that lets you know the reader really get to look at the disagreements within the movement and uh, the frustrations of coalition building. Shulman shows that this disagreement is actually one of the really key reasons why ACT UP was so successful because really the only line of unity and the only requirement for being a member is that members were committed to ending the AIDS crisis through direct action. So they didn't force any kind of consensus or agreement on strategy or language. Gabby says reading about the AIDS crisis and ACT UP provides insights into our current moment and our ongoing struggle with COVID. It's expected in a kind of historical account of the AIDS crisis that there's a lot of pain and suffering and anger, you know, from people who were organizing for change, who have been completely abandoned by the government uh, or their families and society. But something that I think is really important now as well is that the book focuses on, in parts, on how people also found community and love and joy in life during times of crisis. And, you know, kind of as a parallel to how much pain and suffering there can also be today. So that's our show. Big thank you to Ebony, Iodele, Libby, Nick, Grace, Daquan, and Gabby. You can see all of the recommended books, podcasts, and more on our show notes page at www.urban.org slash critical value. This show was produced by Katie Smith and myself, Jacinth Jones. And of course, thanks as always to our sound editor, Riley Byrne from podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. Our theme music is by Moby. For everyone on the Critical Value team, this is Jacinth Jones signing off. <laughs>